Hi, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Bay Street Capital Holdings podcast titled How to Do It and Why Should I Care? This series aims to highlight women doing amazing work in various industries. So today we are so lucky to be joined by Faith Legendre, advisor, Aspen Institute fellow and strategist surrounding the circular economy and sustainability. Hi, Faith. Lovely to meet you. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. So I guess we could start off with a quick introduction and essentially ask, how did you do it and why should I care? <laughs> um, I think I leave myself open to opportunities. Um, there was that movie, Yes Man, with Jim Carrey. I always uh, have a tendency, and other people call me Yes Woman, right? <laughs> because um, I believe really strongly. It's almost like improv, right? You never say no. You always say yes and. Um, so I believe really strongly, and I think that if you're open to the various opportunities that are coming about in the world, that that that's what leads you down your path and your purpose that you're supposed to be on. It reminds me, Lila, when I was back way many decades ago in high school, and my career counselor said, "Well, you have to pick a career, and you have to, you know, f- you have to register for college, and you got to study for that career." And I remember saying. What happens if what I'm going to do hasn't been invented yet? Mm. So I think, I mean, for some people, it really works. Like they really like that structure and they like to have, know what they're going to do. I'm okay. My Marcus Buckingham personality profile says, and my strength says, I'm okay with ambiguity. Um, I can see the future and see around the corners, whereas some people see differently. Uh, so it's fascinating because I told my career counselor that, and then I had went into, you know, back um, years ago, I was in video conferencing, right, and teaching people how to transition their classrooms and transition their webinars and everything they were doing to the virtual world. Uh, so that wasn't invented in 1991. So when I was in high school, my career counselor was asking me. So I always like to tell people that it's okay if you don't know what you want to do. I ended up going in a year of liberal arts college to kind of see what I wanted to do. And then I um, had gotten a scholarship for broadcast journalism. And so I went into that. Um, But then um, I went into nonprofits and uh, doing a little bit of government work, helping those get back on their feet that were with the welfare to work program, recently incarcerated and getting out of incarceration. and um, those that were uh, laid laid off in a, a larger uh, part as larger layoff as part of our organization, and and that led me to as I was marketing one of my clients that led me to I was marketing one of my clients to PC Mac Connection in New Hampshire, and they said, "Would you like to come aboard? You know, we're really growing." And it was before they were a billion dollar company, um, and it was so exciting at the time because it was pre.com boom. And so um, it was really an opportunity to learn a lot about technology. And I was excited about that. And it was all free, right? Because IBM, it was, they were their reseller for, you know, uh, PCs and Macs and whatnot. And so IBM came in and gave us training. All the cable people came in and gave us training. And that was just exciting, uh, an exciting time for learning, I think. Um, and then I got recruited by a uh, System X, a big company that it was here in New York, and they moved me here um, to be over training. I had only been in training for a few months, <laughs> for about six months. I'd done leads generation and sales and and marketing um, for PC Mac Connection because these young companies, you get to move around a lot. They move you around as they see your and if you're a person like me that gets bored easy, they they definitely move you around so that you stay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I really, I loved training and I loved learning and helping people learn because in understanding how people learn in different ways um, and teaching both, you know, customer service and sales and technology. And that was a really a lot of fun. Um, and then I was at uh, 1-800-Flowers and I was using, again, new technology that wasn't invented yet, you know, video conferencing to train all the home agents. So we're using WebEx. Yeah. And um, I was speaking at conferences as a case study about, you know, to transition from brick and mortar physical locations into virtual, which is so funny because that was, you know, way, way back when in like 2000. 2005. <laughs> and it's just so funny because with this pandemic, it's finally, you know, people are realizing the value of um, lowering the carbon emissions and not driving to work um, and, and working from home. And companies are starting to embrace that. But it, it took, I think it took a little bit to, to get there. Um, and then I was at the Aspen Institute back in 2017 with 20 other cohorts and they were talking about circular economy and the need for circular economy, um, design, implementation. Uh, we only have about nine years left. Uh, we're running out of a tremendous amount of resources. So I asked the question in the group and I said, well, who's doing, you know, who's doing large scale technical infrastructure to support circular economy? Because right now we take make waste, you know, and we mm -hmm. sell things and, mm -hmm. What happens is people throw those things away. And in order to have new models like the sharing economy, um, I'm really excited when, you know, people start sharing their vehicles because the 90% of the time a vehicle just sits in the garage, right, or the driveway. Yep. <laughs> uh, and the same thing with power. So um, there's a lot of time that I have solar and I have an electric car, but there's a lot of times I don't use all the power that I generate and giving back that to someone else. And so I'm really excited about these distributed grids that they're gonna do. Um, so like I was saying way back, <laughs> uh, don't be afraid to not know because maybe what you're supposed to be doing truly hasn't been invented yet. Wow. That's so poignant because I'm a computer science major and I think a lot of the jobs that we're sort of looking at also haven't been created yet because the industry is constantly evolving and there's so much innovation. So I completely get that. But I guess my question to you is how did the anxiety of not knowing what you would do when you were older sort of take effect? Were you ever anxious at all or did you just sort of trust the process? I, again, I think it goes back to the way my brain is structured, as Marcus Bucky would say. I'm okay with that ambiguity. I didn't have anxiety. I always, well, my middle name is Hope, so I always hope for the best, <laughs> you know, right? prepared, you know, for the worst, right, just yes. to, to be sure. I think, uh, I think I tried a lot of things, too. Like, if at work, they would say, hey, we just sold this contract. It's seven months on site at this large, you know, uh, organization. Um, that does a lot of work, good work in the world. And they said, we don't have anybody to go and because we don't have anybody in that area and you're right there. So I said, sure, I'll do it. And so I kind of learned along the way. <laughs> I think that's the thing too, is I think, and we, you know, I grew up in high school where I didn't have the internet. So now I think like anybody can do anything because you can just go to all these online courses and um, you can meet people through LinkedIn and talk to experts from all around the globe and learn through people and learn through these courses and, and just try. I think um, I was talking to this gentleman in uh, Austria last week and he was saying we need to embrace failure. 
And, mm. and that's so true. And it's okay to fail. And, yeah. it's, and so I think, you know, just try because what's the worst that can happen? So you fail and you pick yourself back up and you gain all these lessons learned. And now you're even more powerful and you have even more tools in your toolbox than before from that failure. That's awesome. Speaking about failures, actually, and learning from them over the span of your career, what would you say was your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? I would say this was kind of across a lot of things. So I'm almost 48 years old and I would tell my younger self (laughs) that um, my failure was asking more questions that's interesting because I've heard a lot of people say that they didn't ask enough questions, but I've never heard of asking too many questions. Well, I, mean, I, I should have asked, I should have, I should have been more, I think I was afraid to come across uh, as not knowing all the answers. Oh, okay. And so being more courageous to say, hey, what does that acronym stand for? And I noticed that now I think it's also a generational thing. Um, you know, how we are, we are taught, you know, don't ask in public, like go back and do your research. And I think that's, I'm a Gen Xer and I think that's a Gen Xer kind of thing because I, I was in a meeting the other day and there were several dig- digital natives, you know, 24 and under, and there were some millennials and Gen Zs and there was something that brought up an acronym and they said immediately jumped right in, cut the person off and said, what's that acronym? <laughs> like they were so brave, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, I wouldn't have done that when I was younger and I should have because my learning is just as valuable. And I might be asking a question that maybe somebody else in the meeting also has the same question and doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you see like in the chat too, and you can ask questions in the, of each other and the peers will answer. And I think that's an, an interesting um, development in learning as well, because you're learning while the person, while the instructor is speaking, which is not a social norm. Um, in the physical environment. So the professor is speaking or the teacher is speaking and it's a social norm to be quiet and not whisper over and say, what, what is that? What did that, what does that mean? What's that word? What's the definition of that? And yet in the virtual world where the chat is open to each other, people ask a question. Oh, they, they mentioned something. I don't know what that is. And then another peer that's also in the session will grab a link and say, hey, here's, here's the definition to it or here's more about it. Uh, and I think that's helpful because our collective conscious is learning together. And I think that's a, um, a better way to do it. That's awesome. And I'm glad sort of you learned from that mistake and you are now not afraid to ask questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you're obviously part of very many different industries. And I was just wondering sort of what are the best resources that helped you along your journey and your career? Resources. Yeah, I'm kind of a resource junkie. And it's interesting. A lot of people will say that. They'll say, you know, I'm like a hoarder of all. I have a Google sheet and I just, if someone pastes a link or they talk about a concept, I just paste it in my Google sheet and I with a little note. And then I go back and kind of learn that. And I, it's, I noticed that it was just helpful for me, but now when I meet and I mentor different um, students around the world in biomimicry, sustainability, circular economy, business, um, just uh, this week, I had saved something that I saw on LinkedIn. It was a, 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 just a specific business model around circular economy and how to kind of use the business model canvas. And I had saved it because someone had shared it with me, you know, on LinkedIn. And and it was very helpful for this um, young lady that was doing research for her master's. And so I grabbed those links and used those. So for me, I think, I mean, I, I'm 
very much, even though I'm a Gen Xer, I think I'm more of a digital native, I guess. Where I really go back to the digital aspects and try and learn. Um, I use LinkedIn very heavily. So I will not be, again, going back to now, my older self reaches out to people that I don't know, I've never met before, wow. and I have no connections to them. And I just send them a note saying, you know, if, if they're open to, in the LinkedIn to send a note and say, hey, I'd like to um, have a discovery interview with you, learn about the work that you're doing, because I learn a lot through people. And mm -hmm. so I would say the biggest resource for me is other people and the research they're doing and the work that they're doing and the perspectives that they have. And I, I'd say having a diverse network and learning from those people and then also uh, accompanying that with digital res online resources and all the, there's so many free courses, you know, all the different learning platforms to, you can literally learn anything, how to do anything, you know, fix, fix something in your house or, um, you know, understand the, the business model that someone came up with. Just the, the time I think is, managing time is, is difficult to make sure. So I try to block my week so that there's at least an hour for my own personal learning and then take that TED talk or that online course or meet with that person that I wanted to interview. That's awesome. And yeah, people are definitely a great resource. You can learn so much from your peers, as well as from people who've been through it and also people who are actually going through it right now, you know. So it's very interesting to sort of leverage your network and also make new friends as you do on LinkedIn too. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. So I guess my next question would be, what did you wish you would have learned before starting in your industry? I know you spoke to a lot of people, but is there something that slipped <laughs> through the cracks and they didn't mention? Yeah, there's a, um, I would say business models. I didn't think I, I don't think I value chain business models. I pay a ton of attention to it now because circular economy is tied to that. But I think um, frameworks and, and different frameworks and business models. I think somebody said this once, they said, well, their mentor had said to them, it's not the smartest person that walks into the room that has all the information that mm -hmm. looks, you know, intelligent, looks prepared, looks professional. It's the person that walks into the room and has a framework. Mm. And I think, and, and it doesn't have to be fancy, you know, it's, I've seen Venn diagrams, you know, look spectacular and explain things really well. I've seen, you know, block charts and um, people doing different frameworks or flow, you know, flow charts and, I think nowadays, too, you have tools online like Miro, M-I-R-O, Miro, that you can create that really fast and then export it to a PowerPoint. And it's it's beautiful, right? And it's it helps. I think I'm more of a text. I was a journalism major, so text-based, linear, sequentialist thinker. And I, it took me time to be more of a design thinker and to be more visual probably because I didn't have all these different frameworks and tools. And so I think having those frameworks is really frameworks and business models and different things would be helpful to pay attention to. <laughs> I would tell my younger self that. Yeah, but I'm sure you learned on the job um, and you picked it up quickly enough. Yeah, learning from people. Yeah, I'm pretty good at learning from people. So it's uh, people spend time like, oh, do you know this faith? No. <laughs> so well, let me take a few, you know, schedule some time with me. I'll go over it with you. And mm -hmm. I think knowing your own learning style, maybe you learn through reading and study. Maybe you learn through people. Maybe you learn through lots of visuals and, and charts and, and graphs and whatnot. And sometimes maybe you're a combination. Um, some people are kinesthetic learners. They need to see it 
first, have someone hear someone explain it to them. They need to do it themselves in order to be um, at that level of understanding. Mm, very important. And then also, um, the stage is yours for this question, but what is one common myth about your profession that you would like to debunk right here, right now? <laughs> that circular economy, everybody thinks it's just sustainability. Mm. Um, and it is not. <laughs> we want to go further than sustain. We want to keep everything in, in a loop. Um, you know, recycling is great. Uh, it is you know, one of the pieces that we need to do. However, I think we need to evolve beyond that. That the, that myth there is, needs to be debunked and we need to go to um, continuous use models such as refill um, instead of recycling, for mm. example. That's awesome. And I'm sure you're very busy. Obviously, the circular economy is continuously innovating and things are changing. <laughs> but I guess in your free time, what have you read or listened to that's really inspired you? It's interesting. I would have to say, again, going back to the people, I was in this, um, and I was in a group called Lunch Lunch Club for a while, and they map, map you up to people. And those people I found that I met with, they mapped me up to, were very inspirational. And then also meeting people on LinkedIn. Like I was saying, I, I talked to this one young lady this week. She's doing her master's and um, a lot around circularity and behaviors. And she, she was such an inspiration. Um, and I think when people, what for me, what is inspirational are personal stories. And when someone shares their own personal struggle, um, be it maybe they have health issues or um, they have a disability, you know, a different ability, or um, they've been through really tough times. For me, that's inspirational mm -hmm. because it just shows that we're in this collective together and that we can really, truly we can do this, you know, yeah. that you're not alone. And, and so I, th I think inspirational wise, I mean, the TED talks are always inspirational. You know, people um, putting up podcasts like you are, are very, I, I love to listen to the different um, podcasts that are around that are inspirational. Um, I, I think again, it, but you're again, you're a person sharing and you're giving platforms to people to help inspire others. Um, I, I think when you're feeling Everybody gets down. Um, I don't know a soul that hasn't shared with it. <laughs> so just knowing that that's going to happen. And I'm a, a practicer of meditation. So I think, you know, I don't go a day without at least 10 minutes of meditation. <laughs> I think it's important to, when you're having a tough time, to just acknowledge that and work through that through meditation and talk to other people um, mm -hmm. that you, you you feel confident that they'll keep your um, your uh uh, the information you're sharing with them in confidence um, and that you feel safe around. I think that's, that's super important. I don't think we, I think we get mired in the world of work and, and forget to, um, we do a lot of physical activity, like people go running and whatnot, but uh, this is also something that we have to work on as well <laughs> and making sure that our mental health is, is always um, being cared for just as much as we eat healthy and we exercise and we get out in nature. I think that, um, yeah, there's there's a there's a somebody said to me yesterday, um, there's three brains. There's the one in your stomach because the neurological system in your stomach. There's mm -hmm. your heart, which is a very neurological system. Mm -hmm. And then there's your brain. And so when you focus on these things and as a holistic person, uh, then you can bring your whole self as well. I think a lot of people think that they need to just focus on study and memorizing everything and working till the, you know, to the to the bone. Um, but I think if you don't 
meditate and relax and um, really tap into that infinite potential, uh, then you can't bring your whole self and share your whole self with your work colleagues, with your family and friends, with your community. That's really lovely. Um, and then my next question, obviously, it seems like you know a lot of people and you have a lot of a very big network. But I guess who are three people in your life who have been the most influential to you? Mm. Oh, gosh, that's hard because I've taken pieces from all the different people. Mm. I would say there was a woman I reported to. She hence passed away, but she, um, she I reported to it when I had a flower. She was over at Connie Adcock. She was over our leadership team. And she was, it's interesting. She was very graceful. I would say grace was something. She was very graceful. Um, and she let people learn. So she would help you come to self-realization by just asking you questions. Mm. Instead of telling you as a leader, you need to do this. She would just keep, well, why is this this number? You know, right? and, and what do you think about this? And why do you think that that trainer is acting in that way? Like to really get to the root cause through um, that appreciative inquiry. She was the queen of appreciative inquiry. <laughs> and really like just appreciated diversity and neurodiversity. She, you know, before even we knew what neurodiversity was, um, she was non-judgmental and had this really collaborative, diverse team of people that thought in different ways, had different backgrounds, very differing opinions that we would, you know, sometimes butt heads. And she was just the person that brought it all together. And she was very honest and real. And um, she was very influential in my life, I would say. Yeah. That's awesome. Really good to hear. And then, yeah, so finally, what is one piece of advice you wish you gave yourself at any point in your life? Um, to take care of your my health mentally and physically. Yeah, I think health is definitely well. <laughs> it just, it wasn't around, when I was younger, it was all about, like people celebrated. And I remember being at this all hands meeting for this huge multi-billion dollar company. And it was a turn, it was really a seminal point in my brain. <laughs> Because the CEO, who's a very influential CEO, hence retired, he said, he brought up this guy on the stage and he said, so-and-so, you know, worked, you know, even though they had cancer and they were getting chemotherapy, they still went to this meeting. They still, and I thought to myself, that's not good. No, it's not. And the fact that it was being celebrated in such celebrated a Celebrated in front of tens of thousands of employees. Wow. That's a message we don't want to send. No. Because that person wasn't home with their family that was probably concerned about them. They weren't re taking care of themselves. You know, <laughs> I just think, and this whole thing about where Spain has gone to the four-day hour, four, four day work week, mm. I think that's brilliant. And I'm really excited to see the outcomes of it because in the microcosms that are doing this, they're showing increased productivity way less mistakes we have so many mistakes and I wonder all the mistakes that have happened they probably could have been avoided if the person wasn't so darn exhausted yeah, and they were pushed to their limits I mean it's one thing if you're an Olympian and you're pushing to your limits and this is what you're training for it's another thing if you're a knowledge worker right you're, you, you need to rest the brain you need to rest the body and I think I would have told myself that when I was younger yeah, that, that's super meditation, healthy eating exercise and taking care of yourself helps you take care of others. For sure. And it's a very important message, especially to learn yeah. when you're young, because these habits will carry on into your life.
Definitely. Oh, a lot of things when you do when you're younger, uh, it's interesting. They actually affect your microbiome when you're older and, and your whole. I can believe that. Yeah. So what yeah. you do when you're, people say, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just do this until I'm 40. Right. <laughs> it's what I told myself. Yeah. And that doesn't work because then it catches up with you and you have a lot of ramifications from that. So take care of yourself, hydrate, you know, eat healthy um, and get out into your community, get out into nature, you know, find your local farm, um, make sure it's organic so there's no pesticides. <laughs> you don't want to be around those and um, spend time in, in, in nature and spend time with your community and community is uh, there's they can really nourish you and nurture you and teach you so many things. Well, thank you so much for ending on that wonderful note. It was absolutely lovely to speak with you today, Faith. And thank you for oh, helping on the podcast. You. Thank you. All right, then. Bye. Bye-bye.